When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, the Renault Dealer of the Year and most Google-reviewed dealership in Ireland. For award-winning customer service you can trust, visit us today. Blackstone Motors, drive with peace of mind. 041-983-1100. You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. First off, big thank you to everybody at the Gary Kelly Cancer Support Centre for a wonderful day there yesterday. We really enjoyed being in your company for your Christmas party and we'll remember it for many's a day. And thanks again to Anne and Aileen and everybody there. As you know, uh, you may know at this stage, or you should know if you've been listening to us, uh, there's a cloud over LMFM today because one of our greats passed away last evening. Dermot Finglas, the voice of country music, has died. And we offer our sympathies again from us here on Late Lunch and the station once more uh, to his wife and family. And we will be paying tribute to Dermot on the show after two o'clock today. First off, it's his annual visit to Late Lunch. Yes, he's here round about this time every year. He never lets me down and he's good to his word again. And I'm always delighted to see him, Mr. Neil Delamere. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm very good. How's yourself? I wanted to say to you, I was I was a little bit worried about him and Louise and they'll tell you here when I don't see guests around I get a little bit shaky and jittery you were down in that car there for a long time what were you at you left it down to the wire yeah yeah I like the way you tweeted me by the way about an hour ago saying yeah looking forward to him having him on late lunch which is essentially you reminded me wasn't it I know well what you were doing. It was like, yeah, he's going to be on in 57 minutes. I knew exactly what that was about. And he walked in that door 56, 30 seconds Listen, with my I'm heart a, going boom, radio, boom, 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 boom. I'm a radio pro and I knew you could fill in the time as well. You tell me about going out shooting or making your own flies or something in the garage like you did the last time. So I'm pretty sure you could fill the dead air. It's grand. Hey, I like that car as well. A 420 uh, BMW, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a beaut. Yeah, there's a lot of mileage in that car, I tell you that. You have it a while, have you? Yeah, yeah, no, I do. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I, I like cars, I'm not, not that into them, but it, I need a car that just will bring me up and down the country. Like, I mean, there's a lot of mileage on, up and down the, the, the M1 and that now. There say. certainly is, and there's going to be more miles this year with this tour that lies yeah. ahead. I love the days. name. 50. Yeah, at least 50, yeah. So we're adding ones on all the time, yeah. <laughs> you that. like the name Controlled Substance? I, I love it because I said, here we have some 
something that we can kick off with because right. there's so many connotations yeah. to substance. I didn't really think about that when somebody's went, have you been stopped by the guards yet? I was like, oh yeah, I should probably should have. <laughs> That's not the brightest idea in the world calling your, calling your show after something that is could, could end, end you up in prison. And the idea, I suppose, behind it, usually I call it a stupid name like the uh, Creme Delamere or Delamere Mortal, which is two different pronunciations of my surname, by the way, or Control L Delamere, which is my favourite one, <laughs> uh, or the Fresh Prince of Delamere, which is probably the best one, actually. <laughs> That's a great one. Um, so this one was called Controlled Substance because I have this theory, and I'm trying to, be, trying to explain this to people, that my theory is that all you want is, most people want just enough money to be able to tell everybody else to go away. Let's put it that politely, right? You want control over your life. You want influence over what you do. You don't necessarily want your Rolex and your your Ferrari and all that sort of stuff, you know? And that's why when someone wins the Euro Millions and when they go, I, I'd still work, you go, like... I wouldn't even finish this interview. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I love you, Jerry, but if the numbers came up... Thanks, Neil. There'd be, there'd, well, can I tell you I, something? You'd be the exact same. I'd leave you here in your exactly. own and you could do there'd what you like. There'd be a text through to the phone and then you just ask me a question and then you'd have to do an impression of me because I'd be gone. So I think that's all you want. And then you realise that um, you want a bit of influence. You realise if you live in Ireland, which is a small, open economy, you've no control over, say, Brexit, for example, like the people in the north voted against it and they will be dragged into it. We didn't vote in it at all because it's the sovereign decision of the British people and we're going to be hammered by it as well. And uh, you, you look at Donald Trump, most Irish people, I think, broadly speaking, will be kind of uh, against Mr Trump uh, and yet we've no influence over that. Mm. So you kind of realise that you've very little influence over lots of things and that's kind of what the show is about. It sounds more serious than it is. Okay, and uh, you're so right. Wouldn't it be just great to be in that position that you could say bye-bye to ho- whoever or whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that is the dream. That's manana. You've mentioned so many there in the political world. For you and, yeah. you know, how you work and you, you observe life and people and the world and society... What a year 2018 What's has been. What's a mad year. Don't mind what a year, what a week. Yeah, tr- Theresa May at the start of the week going, I'm going to call this withdrawal <laughs> vote. Even though there's no there's no support for it, I'm absolutely going to call, absolutely going to call this vote on the withdrawal agreement. Absolutely. Are you? No, I'm not. No, you're mad. No one's going to vote for it. And then David Cameron going, I'm going, I don't regret calling the referendum. What else could he say? He couldn't go, I did. I made an absolute ball to that. I'm dreadfully sorry. Shouldn't have called the referendum. I pandered to the worst Eurosceptics of my party. I got a distracted and now we're going to be broke and we're going to have to sell David Attenborough on the Antiques Road show <laughs> like we're go- like you know he's not going to see anything else and then you got the ERG and Jacob Rees-Mogg and all that other stuff like and I don't know it's just it's just so frustrating but somebody made a good point to me about Brexit while it's it's you know it's this horrific kind of spectre at the feast um, for comedy of course it's kind of grist to the mill it's it's particularly with, if you're doing a show so we do the show called The Blame Game in Northern Ireland and the, and, and the Soft Border Patrol as well um, with Stormont not running if you're looking for news I mean Brexit does it's the silver lining in the cloud for someone like me uh, while it's going to affect an awful lot of people's jobs it does produce a lot of material you know so that's kind of the bright side for us but we're cognizant of the fact that lots of people's livelihoods are going to be affected oh, by yes, this yes there know? is a serious side to it but look in life you do have to laugh as well because but you particularly took all this in you'd be sunk but some of the stuff coming out I mean some of the kind of colonial attitudes that are now coming out yeah. you're pretty patel- like starve them out essentially you're going oh mother of god what why don't let's let's put her in charge of negotiating with Native Americans as well I believe she'd give them blankets like you know yes. read some sort of historical context to this mm. and people saying oh you know there's an unnamed conservative so- source this week saying the Irish really should know their place yes 
You know, there's a, a group of people there where it's just under the surface there. Yeah. We do know our place. It's called In the European yeah. Union. <laughs> we're 26 other lads who are our friends at the moment. Isn't it funny you say that? Because you see the same with racism at the minute. There's a big issue going on with that in, in, football, in football, particularly yeah. in the UK. And people are saying it's just been there and now it's bubbled up. But here's the thing. I want to come back to the blame game. Yes. I was sitting watching you a couple of weeks ago. And I'm sure I would have been incarcerated because... Right. I was buckled with the laughter. It's a simply brilliant show. But I always want to ask you this, and I don't know whether I did previously. You're sort of the green man up there. Do right, you know, OK. Do you know what I'm, I'm getting at? Yes. Yes, uh, I, I am the green man there. Is that Given that we're playing to LMFM <laughs> and that the local TD here is of the green hue in Louth, anyway. <laughs> Two of them. Uh, yes. Um, uh, yeah, well, the good thing about doing the blame game, right, for me is that the populace of the North assumes a certain thing about me, obviously. Okay. So they assume that you were raised in a particular religion, as most people were in the 80s in Ireland, and they assume that you have certain political uh, ambitions for United Ireland, for example, right? But you you can deny them or you can um, accept them differently each week. <laughs> like You can pretend. So, like, I'll say to them, lads, I don't care what you do. I, uh, listen, I want, I want... So some days I go, yeah, absolutely, six counties, need the six counties back, it has to be a 32 United United Ireland. And then next week I go, I'd clear you all off and make it all into a big golf course. And then the next week I'd call... So sometimes I call it the North of Ireland, sometimes I call it Northern Ireland, sometimes I call it Game of Thrones land, sometimes I call it uh, Mordor. I, I, I mean, I believe in the principle of consent. That's the big thing, I think, you know. And we have to respect other people's traditions. And uh, But you can play it different ways, whatever way you want, you know. I, I watched it and I said, oh my God, that fella's on the thinnest ice I've ever seen. He's going to fall <laughs> yeah, through. Yeah, but it never cracks. No, it doesn't. Never, <laughs> not, since, not since John Simpson, the, you know the BBC yes, correspondent, years ago was on the panel. And I was asking about the pronunciation unit of the BBC. And he goes, I said, you pronounce it London there? And he goes, yeah. And I said, we spell it London there, but the first six letters are silent. <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> He lived in Ireland for a long time and he laughed his face off. He was a lovely man. He got it. But he got it. But all you need to do is just, uh, oftentimes when I do a gig in Belfast, I go, lads, I don't care what side of the political divide you're on, you're just sterling to me. You can say, <laughs> you can say what you want, I just see pound signs. That's hey, all. the gap is narrowing, you see that <laughs> all the time. You yeah. don't want Brexit, that's for sure. No. T- tell me this, you know, when you look at the makeup of the blame game, Tim McGarry, wonderful host there, yep. Colin Murphy, Jake O'Kane, yourself, yep. there's a guest every week. Absolutely. You know, how does that dynamic work? Are there some ways it doesn't? It's difficult for them, absolutely. Like If you think about a, a, a midfield, right, uh, of a football team where everybody starts to learn each other's rhythms and all the rest, uh, and add to the fact that the person coming in does not necessarily know those rhythms, add that to the fact that we might go very, very local if there's a very, very local issue. You might go moan about... Nelson McCause and you might moan about Barry McElduff or whatever um, it can be very very local as well so it is difficult for them to come into but on the other side of that they have like we have to talk nonsense every week for f- 15 years <laughs> they have every bit of material they've ever written that, that they can throw in there as well so hopefully there's an opportunity for them to kind of ask questions and also um, uh, get involved as well but it can be difficult to just get up to the speed of it really you know you must have had some laugh at the cash for ash thing and all that that's has run that. for it has run hasn't that it, and the gay cake yeah <laughs> 
has run for a long, 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 long time. And that cake thing went back to court recently and the original yes. bakers had the decision yeah, overturned. They won, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's incredible. Like the, As you say, the way that has gone on. It's quite interesting as well seeing that uh, the people in the north, I think they used to look at somebody, what, what did they say about that we were kind of priest-ridden and that we were, you know, socially very conservative, you know, this, and the roads were bad down here. That's what they always used to say. And then... Fast forward now, two referenda later, and uh, we are the social progressive beacons, and they are uh, the, the more less progressive one, shall we say? Uh, so it's quite interesting to see how the tables have turned as well, and we've got these in roads. Yeah. So it's a bit of crack, like you know. <laughs> we just need to resurface them. We built them in the uh, you know the good times, and they might need a little bit of care. But you are you are so right about all those things. But look, getting back to them and 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 where they're at, it really is betwixt and between and. No one really knows about this thing. No, nobody, they? no, nobody really knows. It's it's kind of bizarre. I mean, I thought I think it's funny that a business and say the Ulster Farmers Union and uh, the CBI and all the rest they were in favour of this this withdrawal agreement because if the backstop comes into play, it does seem like I'd, like a nice comedic idea that Northern Ireland could be loaded. It could be like Monaco. It could be like because it it would be in this kind of halfway house between the two between the EU and the UK. You know, so you could have like the Grand Prix of Armagh just driving round and round and round the roundabouts. You know, <laughs> round Craig Avenue or something like that. It, it's it's a kind of a nice uh, silly comedic idea that we had on the show. But mm. um, yeah, I think everybody's just crying out for. Um, um, some degree of certainty. But you know, yeah. the thing is, you are up there and you're familiar with it and you're part of it. The old, beneath the surface you talk about, there just still is that thing, that anything that would su- suggest that this would become one island, even if there were still to be a border, but in any sense, yeah. the line in the Irish... What's that line in the Irish Sea? Anyway? Line in the Irish I was trying to think how yeah. they draw that or what they do it. <laughs> yeah, some guy from the Isle of Man with a massive ruler. <laughs> he just rides around on a dolphin and... Uh, <laughs> He just, you know, like the red arrows have that smoke behind him. That's that's that. He's the man who's going to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. I don't, it, it's it's just a very interesting. You know, the Chinese have a curse saying, "May you live in interesting times." But one way or the other, we are living in interesting times, oh, yeah. and the demographics are changing obviously massively, uh, north of the border as well. So that's that's going to be very interesting to, to, thing to watch over the next kind of few years. You know, so Dave McWilliams had a, a good article about it. I was talking to him actually. I, ho- I hosted something with him recently. So he he we had a bet about the United Ireland within the next few years as well so really yeah so if you see him running naked around Stephen's Green <laughs> it's going to be uh, United Ireland <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> so the, the, the format is you do record this evening and then it airs uh, 24 hours later that's the way absolutely, it works absolutely yeah show. is there much editing you know when you go in does it take a long time to put together Not what really. we see we've gotten we've gotten to a point now where listen if you can't do it in an hour and whatever an hour and 50 an hour and 20 you shouldn't be doing it like in, in London records of for certain panel shows they're four hours long which is kind of, I think it's ridiculous. Like, if you can't do it, just, you know, change something else. Yeah. So it's it's pretty much uh, bish, bash, bosh. We go in there and do it. And um, it, it's good. The closer you are to record, the record to TX, the record, sorry, to broadcast, it, the better because it's relevant. Yeah. So, for example, we're, we're doing Soft Border Patrol, which is the mockumentary, and that's kind of done, right? That's going to be out around... Brexit Day which is next March mm. uh, and if people haven't seen it we did three episodes last year and it's a kind of a mockumentary where we all play people in this soft border patrol unit that's been sponsored by uh, Stormont even though it's shut down uh, at the moment uh, Dublin the EU and London and we can't do anything we can only monitor the situation and hand out tickets and all this sort of nonsense it's called crack now right and the, the you get a scene and then you have to improvise around the scene and some of the videos we did kind of went viral and got two or three million views of me doing stupid accents of Northern Irish cows. Um, so, but that's filmed 
in October, November. Now, mm. we are going to have to probably reshoot or just kind of keep up to date in January or February because it's so fluid. Mm. So, like, if we have that all in the bag and in March of 29th, you know, Germany owns Tyrone, <laughs> which, I mean, we laughed about this, but really, is it that... That bizarre kind of suggestion, given what's happened in the last oh few years. Oh my god, Almighty, when I think we might have to just kind of keep it up to date the there, you know. Four right, that would cause a suggestion like that, Rural Britannia, are you joking? Neil Delamere is with me on late lunch. We're gonna chat a little more after this break. Neil Delamere is with me on late lunch this afternoon. Just back to the show Controlled Substance for a moment. Yeah. You know, do you write that at a time and then you're talking about things being so fluid with the Brexit and the yeah. TV work and all that? Are you tweaking that with 50 shows over a few months and that? Is that changing as you go? Uh, you are tweaking it all. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this one, I suppose, has um, has a kind of a fluid structure to it as well. So anything that kind of... So I'm, I am talking about Brexit because we didn't control it. So anything that comes up new in Brexit, you can obviously kind of filter yeah. into the show. Mm. And uh, I talk about... Uh, I talk about Trump as well. My theory, my, my, and then obviously anything that happens with him, you can throw into it as well. So it is changing each night, you know. He's some. My theory that the only thing that we can do, like, so we're a small country. So if we got attacked by a bigger country, there's nothing we could do, right? Yeah. So my, I have this ridiculous theory. That the only thing we could do, we could do two things: is develop our own nuke, right, and then put a fella in charge of it or a woman in charge of it who's so mental that it looks like they might actually use it. Yeah. So I would suggest Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor or one of the Healy race and get them to do every single press interview <laughs> and then I just don't, I think no one would mess with us just so land the flat cap going uh, Neil don't go there because two things <laughs> you believe it as well don't you uh, yeah because I'll tell you why nuclear has been suggested in this country for power you know what yeah, I mean yeah. and that has oh they rise up and they say no we couldn't do it and the people you're mentioning in control you see you see that button you see that red button there yeah. you say to those guys don't touch it don't yeah, touch it like, like Dougal in Father Ted <laughs> yeah bang yeah we don't necessarily have to we just have to tell them that we've, that okay. we've done it you know that's all I'm suggesting disconnect the button from, Disc- con- uh, I think connect that's a good thing under the desk there yeah. that it's connected it'd to j- nothing and they're going it, yeah it'd just be a banana boat that we've told them is a missile don't worry about it it's not actually we're not going to develop a nuke I'm pretty sure we can't develop a nuke we can't get the, the Lewis cross line to work that well I don't know if a missile is necessarily on the agenda oh jeepers don't get a start on that one. but Trump has been do you bring him in you know he's a bit far away but he does influence. He is the topic of conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's if he's if he's forced in, I suppose. You know, I think mm. people are a bit sick of him, to be honest mm. with you, as well. But sometimes he forces his way into by by doing so. And also, people would suggest that he's beyond satire, and he kind of is beyond satire. Like there was, a, we were doing the blame game a couple of weeks ago, and uh, one of the lads was saying, I don't know if you saw the story that he mistook the Balkans for the Baltic states. So he was meeting with the premiers of Estonia and Latvia, Lithuania, and blamed them. For, blamed them for the Yugoslavian war and the three of them were standing at some sort of going do you know what he's talking about okay let's let's wing it and let's pretend we know what he's talking about and he blamed them for like ethnic cleansing and, and they hadn't a clue and then they figured out oh and you got mother of God so sometimes what he does is so kind of ridiculous he forces his way in like his wife is from the former Yugoslavia as well. Yes. My wife is from Munster. At no point have I confused Munster with the city of Munster in Germany and then walked out of a pub in Kerry and left some guy going, you know, he, he blamed, I wasn't even in Poland in 1939. I, the whole and thing here's is, the worry, he's controlling multiple of those buttons. That's what really concerns me yeah, when you mentioned that. Thing. What about the Irish landscape for subject matter in the political world? You're, now, you mentioned the Healy Rays there. Yeah. There's never a shortage down here, is there? No, people? no, there is. But of course, you have to realise that uh, if I'm doing all every single corner of Ireland, north and south of the border, they might not be 
uh, familiar with some of those okay. personalities. So there is, like a friend of mine once said who works for the BBC, he goes, partition has worked in terms of media, the media landscape. So, so say Stephen Nolan, for example, wouldn't be very well known down here, but he's very well known up there. Um, Ray Darcy, say the equivalent. So you have to be kind of cognizant of that fact as well. Mm. But yeah, so I, I talk a little bit about the referenda that happened down here and they will be familiar with those and, and you can take the make out of those things as well. So they do, they do come in, but this show was run out in Edinburgh as well. So this show was kind of, the good thing about Edinburgh is you do 25 nights in a row. So it does get sharper at some point. Yeah. Um, uh, and it does get honed. I mean, if it doesn't get honed, you're, you're, if you can't get it right, twenty five nights, an hour a night, it's 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 a difficult situation. Absolutely. Uh, and you get also you got great answers to the questions. I mess around with the audience and stuff as well. So um, and so if it has to be done for an international festival, it can't go too local about Michael Healy Ray, mm. for example, or about. Uh, I mean, Jerry Adams would be very no- well known outside of Ireland as well, but you couldn't do the TD for yeah, wouldn't you know, have a clue. Tipperary. Do North you do that? You know, where you pick from an audience one night, can you lead that in another night? You know that if you want to introduce something, do you pick something up and take it back and throw? Uh, yeah, it Yeah, absolutely. At them? Yeah, and sometimes you can link them all in together. And yeah. there's a, there's a part of the show at the moment where I ask, "What's the poshest thing you've ever done? What's the poshest thing you've ever done?" Actually, I'm going to give you a couple of seconds to think about it because. Sometimes people go, oh my God, I can't think of anything. And in Edinburgh, of course, we had very middle class uh, English people coming up. They they had all, you know, they'd met the Queen, they'd met Prince Charles. They had, um, they had, one guy had uh, complained about the quality of chutney once. He <laughs> just said this in the middle of the gig, which is just a bizarre thing that we kind of, you can lead that down the garden path. I had a guy in a small town in Ireland. I said, what's the posh thing you've ever done? He was a farmer. And he says, I've never done anything posh. And I said, there must have been something. And he goes, okay, there's one good steak restaurant in town and I brought my wife here to the steak restaurant. And everybody went, oh, and his wife went, I've never been to that restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, that was an awkward car ride home, oh, I would imagine. Big time. But you get great ones out with that, you know. So what's the posh thing you've ever done? It was a stupid thing. Go on. But I'll, I'll tell you what I did. What it is. I worked in Aircom for years and I got okay. a few bob when I left, which I don't want to talk about. Okay, but anyway, right. uh, I used some of it to buy a Mercedes. Right. Very good. And within a month, I realised that I needed a petrol tanker tied onto the Mercedes <laughs> to fill it. Right. You didn't do the research there, did you? No research. So it's it was, parked in the driveway. You look at it. It's it pretty. It's an absolute gobshite thing to do. And yeah. I did it. Yeah. I have to admit to that. And thank God, Neil, it was just before the crash. I put it up on one of those things to sell it yeah. in less than a year. Yes. And a guy from Limerick bought it. Thank <laughs> God almighty. God help him. But anyway, I got rid of <laughs> he's, it. He's still not home in the car yet. He stopped on the M7 in the Obama Plaza, filling it up with petrol. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a good question to ask. And you can you kind of get good answers from it. So I, I, yeah. I like to throw in a question every year that kind of gets people thinking and, and makes them, uh, you know, have you a bit know, of crack. When I think about that, oh, what a folly that was in my life. The stupidest thing ever. Now I have something that does a thousand kilometres for 40 euro. And that's more like it, right. Neil. Is it a bicycle? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> it's not, actually. It's actually. Well, I, can I say it? I wonder, can, can I say it in the air? Yeah. It's so economical, the Ford Focus. Is it? I have to say it really <laughs> is. It's a great car. It's Do you any voice? Suffers these days for ads, Jerry. It's all <laughs> you economical photos. I could be doing nothing after this. I could be marching out of here. <laughs> or you have to do what to do in the BBC. Other cars are also available. Oh, they are indeed. Every other model is fantastic, and I'm sure there's equally as much mileage as the one that I have. What's the poshest thing you did? Uh, 
that. God, I couldn't think that. Well, it le- it leads up to a story about being in in the uh, Aer Lingus lounge. So I can't really tell you the story because obviously okay. that's the end of the show. But uh, <laughs> one of my favourite ones that I've gotten from the the show audience members was a guy who. Um, Oh, I'll tell you actually what the botch thing I've done. Now, here, here's that. See, you had to think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I went into a palace on a tour once in um, Turkey, and the guy said this room uh, was only used uh, for circumcising people, uh, teenage boys, to make them become men. And I said, I thought the room was kind of long and, and narrow, and I said, I thought it would be bigger. And he said, well, it used to have a kind of a porch, but they removed the porch. And my wife was with me and I went, well, that was always going to happen, <laughs> given the function of the room. And he didn't get it. And my wife started to laugh. So I kept going and I started talking about this whole thing. And he didn't realise at all. I said, you know, most uh, Irish rooms, um, most Irish rooms have porches. Did you know that? But apparently most American rooms don't have porches. <laughs> and a lot of uh, people I know who have only ever seen a room with a porch, the first time you see a room without a porch, I mean, it's a bit of a surprise. And just to clarify, we were talking about motoring and motor It's not a porch. Yeah, it's yes. A porch. Absolutely, yeah. You know that little thing, you caboose you built on the front door of your house just to stop the caboose. getting in. Caboose. Is that, Is that what you said? Yeah, caboose. Wow. I learned new you things with you all caboose. the time. No. I have heard yeah, the words yeah, caboose. Yeah, great word. Maybe not necessarily in that sense. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. People put them up. The neighbour had one and then the next thing is, jeez, we better get one of them ourselves. Like decking. You know what I mean? <laughs> decking or gazebos is the other absolutely, thing as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Anyway, he's on his way. He's busy. He dropped in for his usual chat. Let me tell you where he is. The Crescent Theatre, a brand new ver- venue in the heart of Drogheda yeah. on the 18th of January. The Intest in Cla- Castle Blaney, that's not until March the 23rd. Yeah. And then he's in the Solstice in Navin, loves the venue I know, on March 29th. So yeah. those are the big dates coming up in yeah. the northeast. And fif- yeah, 50 odd dates, um, neildelamere.com uh, forward slash gigs for all the details. So yeah, it's it's. I've done a couple of nights in the Grand Opera House. In Belfast, and the rest of kind of start now. I did a Presbyterian church the other day. Did you? In Portico. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> in, on the Ards Peninsula. I don't think I'll call you green anymore. I think, where is it? You're <laughs> orange. I'm looking for the orange cover here. There's none of the mics. But anyway, whatever colour you are, you're absolutely fantastic. Neil, good to see you. Thanks, Best man. of luck for 2019. Take care. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. It's Dermot Fingless. What a voice that man had. An incredible, an incredible voice. That deep tone in his voice. Yes, we're all so sad here this afternoon in LMFM Radio. News coming through late last evening of the passing of our own Dermot Finless. He was the voice of country and Irish on Pirate Radio initially and then on LMFM through the years up until his retirement in 2016. And I remember the day well we paid tribute to him here on Late Launch. And one of the men who joined us on that day and who gave him his start in radio was Gavin Duffy. And Gavin's on the line. Good afternoon, Gavin. Good afternoon, Jerry. On what is uh, a very sad day for all of us who were involved uh, in radio at various stages over the last 40 years uh, to... Uh 
to, to think that uh, Dermot Finglas has passed on, uh, it's, it's, it's very, very sad. It really is. And we think of Marie, his wife today, and his family and all who knew him. And I, I can tell you, Gavin, the uh, tributes are just pouring in. No surprise. Yeah, he, 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 was, he was just a lovely man, you know. Uh, always great company and uh, loved his country music. Loved promoting Irish artists who were playing country. And, uh, but, but, you know, the remarkable thing about Dermot was the voice. Mm. And uh, he just had uh, the most wonderful radio voice. And uh, he had, of course, at one stage uh, been a uh, very successful cabaret singer. And uh, he uh, was quite successful at that. So uh, he had sort of earned a few bob with his voice at one stage as a younger man. Uh, but in uh, for 40 years almost, uh, it was uh, radio that uh, was uh, his love, his life and his work. Uh, tell us, Gavin, you were the man who brought him to the airwaves. You gave him his break. Tell us the story of how you came across him. Looking back, it was quite remarkable. Uh, It was 1978, and I was in the vicinity of Dunhees Mill going into it, uh, where the Pirate radio station, Boyneside, was based, as uh, many people in the Greater Drought area will remember. And uh, there was uh, a coal delivery going on, and uh, this gentleman with a bag of coal across his shoulder um, was uh, walking past me, and I said, hi. And uh, as he walked by me, he just said, hello there. And I just couldn't believe uh, the voice. It was so deep, so gravelly, so bass. And I, I was stopped in my tracks and I turned around and I went back and uh, I'd never met the man. Uh, I, I knew him to see around the town, certainly. And I said, um, wow, that's that's a great voice. Uh, can you imagine me sort of? Uh, but uh, that's that's a great voice. And uh, he said, yeah. And I said, have you ever considered radio? And uh, he said, no. Yeah, he was, he was a bit baffled. And, uh, I, you know, he was aware that there was a pirate radio station in Donahue's Mill. And I said, listen, is there any chance you could come in and we uh, could have a listen to you in studio? Because I think that that, that would be a great voice. And uh, I, I think... That was sort of midweek one day. It wasn't the following Saturday. It was Saturday afternoon, about 10 days later. Uh, Dermot sat in to, to the studio behind a microphone and uh, instantly we all knew this guy was going to be uh, a radio pro, uh, was going to be a great a presenter. Uh, what he had in voice, he had, like many of us starting out in radio, not a clue how to work a desk or, or uh, to run it. But funny enough, he was very confident uh, as a presenter because, as I said, he'd had the stage experience of, of the cabaret, you know, and he, he used to do uh, that... Uh, um, uh, well, monologue called The Deck of Cards uh, yes. was one of his uh, party pieces uh, and something he did on the professional cabaret circuit, which was uh, years before had been very uh, doing very, very well in Dublin, playing in the, you know, he performed a chariot in in, uh, in, in Ranla and uh, the Bremer Rooms in Churchtown and Clontarf Castle and places uh, like that. So um, his, his loss to uh, the cold delivery 
every business around Drogheda was a Boyneside local radio Drogheda and eventually LMFM's gain. And we didn't know we were, uh, we had discovered somebody who not just had a, had a great voice, but had a passion for country music. And as we all know in the Northeast and particularly in the LMFM area, uh, we're, we're, we're very into our country music. So to have somebody like Dermot, uh, there to, uh, present the show gave us when licensed local radio came along, Jerry, it gave us a status because our presenter, um, you know, if, if any of the managers of, uh, big, acts coming into the country, etc., or any of our rising superstars, you know, and Dermot was in on the very ground floor of Daniel O'Donnell, you know, and and uh, promoting uh, this uh, new great talent from Donegal. Uh, Dermot spotted him a long time before others did. Uh, so, uh, but but all of those uh, those people sort of said, "Wow, there's there's this really great presenter uh, on on LMFM or the stations before that," and it gave us uh, a great boost, which uh, we enjoyed over the years. And I know you tributes have been coming in but the number of tributes you'll be getting from people in the music industry because he was a friend to every one of them and we saw that when you very kindly uh, did the show back in 2016 and uh, we had the tribute to him and some of the greats were in studio and were on the phone to uh, to wish him well in his retirement. I think we all suspected, sadly, it might be short-lived because his health was failing at that stage. Uh, Dermot would have stayed the course. He loved presenting in radio, but uh, his health uh, and his breathing was uh, becoming a problem because of his illness. And uh, he, uh, he uh, hung up his boots, but uh, he was hugely missed then and will be even missed more now by everybody in country music in Ireland. And and just a sample of what's coming to us, Gavin, let me read a couple of them. Uh, Alice Burke from Ballymun in Dublin has been on to say, my condolences to Dermot Finglas and his family and all his friends. What a lovely gentleman. What a brilliant radio man. Oh my goodness, says Margaret Gleeson from Yellow Force. I'm completely heartbroken by the passing of Dermot Finglas. Completely heartbroken. My deepest sympathy uh, to his colleagues and to his family. And how awful to lose someone so special so near to Christmas as well. May he rest in country music peace, uh, says Margaret Leeson there. And so on and so on they go. Now I have a man in studio with me, Gavin, and he's going to join us on this one. Eddie Caffrey, welcome to Late Lunch. Thanks, Jerry. Well, memories of oh. Dermot Finglas. Oh, what can I say? Uh, actually, I was uh, just I was going to call Dermot, actually, in the last couple of days because another old friend of ours, a colleague, a guy called Peter Madison, he was on Boyne Sides, and a very good friend of Dermot. He passed away on Tuesday. Oh my word! And I said, oh God, I must tell Dermot. And then I got that devastating news yesterday. Like we all got that uh, Dermot had passed on, and uh, sincere sympathy to uh, Maria as well at this mm. time. But uh, like like Gavin and, and everybody else says, uh, you know, great memories of him. And uh, uh, one thing about Dermot, he was very obliging. You know, if 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 you if I asked him to do a green scene, or oh, will you do the green scene for me this week? It was never, you know, he of course will do it for you. Come on, oh, of course, no bother, no bother. Just leave me a few records. He was was great, great like that. But uh, Eddie, he was the most laid-back person, wasn't he? Just we we ever and laid-back, not in a sort of a lazy or lethargic way, but uh, look, uh, yeah, I'll I'll do that for you. You know, uh, there was nothing was ever an issue. Um, I I don't ever remember him, you know, falling out with people. You know, he was just uh, somebody. You you just couldn't fall out with him because he was such a such a likable fellow. You know, like you know, like. 
he'd never he never he never crossed border them, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 he'd help you because uh, I remember running a few shows and I, I wouldn't be great with them any contacts. Oh, I'll get somebody for you. I'll get this fella for you, and he would. You yeah, know? he I'd came up it. trumps every Mop time. Trumps. Trumps. Gavin, you know when the transition happens? You alluded to it there earlier on, from uh, the pirate days to the uh, let me say the legal the legal days with the, with the new stations and the licensing as well. That transition, he was uh, so established that he was always going to be a big part of that. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, no less than the man you have in studio yes. with you because continuity was very important for us because of the success of uh, the existing local radio stations, particularly in Drogheda and Dundalk for the North East. It was very important that we had that continuity. So somebody like Eddie there, who was you know a mainstay of, of local radio uh, in the south of the LMFM area, or a Ray Stone, who uh, was you know a legend in, in the northern end, of, of what ended up being uh, the LMFM area. They were, you know, uh, very significant people to have on board. But Dermot, um, as I said, was, was the really special one because music, country music uh, in the Northeast, and, and I'm saying Irish country because we, we have it with Eddie on the green scene as well, that, that, that great tradition that mm. was established in the Northeast in, in local radio that was copied in so many other radio stations around the country. Uh, Dermot was uh, central uh, to to, to that so yeah it was it was very important that uh, he would be there but uh, uh, just putting in you there Gavin he, he also presented the breakfast show at one stage remember that that's right he yeah. did and, and the lunchtime show did he? I think he did for a while yeah yes. he did yeah and, and he I think he took over from you Gavin when you, you moved to Dublin and, and you know he was doing all the interviews and everything he, mm. you know, he was an all rounder but country music was certainly his field wasn't yeah. it like it was yeah. his, he had a voice for it and yes. he, uh, the knowledge and, and I remember being in the Midlands at a football match a, a few years ago when he was here and the amount of people and the amount of listeners he had in that part of the world, they loved him. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, amazing, amazing. But, but also, he had, he had a very special place in people's hearts and homes. Uh, mm. Now, you know, our world is changing and uh, we, we, we now sort of, you know, get our, our music and do our listening in, in, in slightly different ways. Yeah. But... If you go back, you know, to the 80s, 90s, uh, but, but, but even still to this day, to a certain extent, there's, you know, I, I would have always said Dermot Finglas was the king of kitchen radio in the Northeast, because if you went into any home, or most homes, should I say, and, you know, the, the, you know it sounds quaint now, people used to sit down as a family uh, and, and uh, have their, their, their tea or dinner together uh, and so on, but whilst that would be prepared the TV be on in the front room, but uh, Dermot Fingers and the country uh, show would be on on the radio in in the majority of kitchens, uh, you know, from from North County Dublin right up to Newry and and uh, across you know into the Midlands almost. That's that that was the spread of the man and he uh, Eddie he he was very good at at, at playlisting as well. Although he oh, would yes. never you know he he would never boast about that or make a special point about. It, but he seemed to he seemed to know exactly what his listeners wanted, didn't he? He did indeed. Yes, absolutely. And uh, there was a lovely picture. I'm not too sure wh- where it went of him and, and Dolly Parton. But uh, it was uh, here yes, at reception for yes, and, and a uh, long time. I, I think I think it may be Maria. Maria uh, uh, may have it actually. She may have it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's lovely that she nice does see, yeah. have that memory as well. What a, a country star! But he rubbed shoulders with the great, and he played them, and he interviewed them, and he promoted it so much, and he was known the length and breadth of the land. But I think we'll always remember him Gavin again back to that for that voice that, that voice. depth
Hello there. Oh, <laughs> that's it'll a be forever. Yeah, forever. Now, funny if I, I, I was talking to uh, Alison Common in the Drogheda Independent this morning. She, she phoned me just for, for a comment about uh, Dermot. And uh, the thing that I remarked, and uh, I, I may have said it to you uh, previously, Jerry, at one stage, uh, is I, I, I had a huge regard as the years went by for the professionalism of Dermot Finglas. Mm. That, you know, uh, Eddie, like yourself, he has to have been one of the most reliable presenters ever. You know, I, yes. I, 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 you know, until he had his health issues in recent years, but he was, I mean, he'd never miss uh, his slot. You know, he, he'd always be there and, uh, you know, he was so dedicated to it and was as professional in 2015 as he was in, mm-hmm. you know, 2000 and, uh, or 1985. You know what I mean? Yes, he was yeah, yeah. consistently, you know, the the, the great country music presenter, you know. He, he yeah, very reliable and, you know, as I said, very helpful at the start. Yes. Yeah, very helpful and mm. very obliging. And he will be missed at this stage. And I just want to, before we finish up, uh, remind people that we were all involved in, in his final uh, tribute here. Yes. Uh, and it was on the 1st of November 2016, just over two years ago. And that has been podcast this morning uh, on LMFM. You can go in and check it there. It's under the Late Lunch podcast or it's on LMFM Facebook page as well. Mm. And it's a beautiful interview with Dermot his final uh, tribute here Eddie's involved and Gavin's involved and many more as well and we played some of his songs so if you want to listen back to that do go and check it out I promise you you'll enjoy Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Gone. Jerry, Jerry if, I, if I could impose on you, because uh, uh, Eddie, I, I was coincidentally talking to Shami Briscoe this morning on another mm-hmm. matter. We were on the phone uh, talking about their, their concert t- t- tomorrow night uh, and their, their rehearsals tonight. And uh, uh, Shami broke the news to me about Peter Madison. Yeah, and uh, and Eddie, look, sorry to, to to land on you, but you would be the person to do it uh, if it's all right, Jerry. Just uh, the memory I have of Peter Madison, who was this English DJ who had worked on the pirate radio ships in the UK, came to Ireland, was living in in uh, Ballymun, and uh, we were lucky enough to get him to uh, join us uh, in Drogheda, and we all learned so much from him, uh, Eddie. We did. Wasn't he just an amazing 
disc jockey technically. Yes. <laughs> you, know, you know, which people overlook in a day that, uh, you know, and, and but, now you have computers. I'm sure Jerry Kelly there has to do nothing. It all happens for him. But in the days we, we used to have to work, wasn't, we, wasn't Peter Madden wasn't he just, the most fantastic mechanic, if you know what I mean, as regards... We, we started so small and everybody knew who came to the Boyneside Radio brought something. I remember we had Eric Vaughan, he came from Carousel yeah. and we were rolling out the red carpet for him. And then th- this guy... Uh, this English guy walked in and he was actually a chef in the Boyne Valley Hotel you might remember and he came in and said he, he told us that he worked on the pirate ships and he was on the air in a few hours he was great, <laughs> great. But, but like I remember thinking you know Jerry, you got to imagine and, and uh, Dermot was there with us you know and we were sort of looking at this guy eyes probably spoofing and uh, uh, the moment he sat in behind the desk Wow. It, yeah. it, you know, you sometimes see that in sport where somebody plays at a different level than you've been playing at. But uh, Peter uh, Madison came on board with us and our technical skills uh, all went up. He was a sort of a coach uh, to all of us, wasn't he, Ed? He was indeed, absolutely. He was and uh, we remember him today. Well, if I don't uh, take this next break, uh, no matter what has changed <laughs> in radio, you guys know what has to be done. Anyway, Gavin Duffy uh, and Eddie Caffrey, we all remember, and men who worked with him for years will remember him and never forget him and yeah. think about him all the time. And we're really saddened at LMFM Radio this afternoon at Dermot's passing. And we uh, remember Maria, his wife, and his family and his son, of course, Dermot Jr., who predeceased him as well. And our sympathies go out from everybody here this afternoon. May he rest in peace. Gavin, thank you very much thank indeed you. for joining me. And thank you, Eddie Caffrey. You're welcome, Jory. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. First published in 1983, the Phoenix magazine has been a never-present, shining a light on the Irish political life and current affairs. With its 2018 annual on sale, no better time to meet its long-time editor, Paddy Prendeville. You're very welcome to Late Lunch. Can I say to you that it is one of my favourite magazines, and I think it comes from, to be honest with you, Paddy, the whole thing of the cover and the bubbles out of the the front cover participants. (laughs) Well, that that's certainly a, a big bonus for us, all right. I mean, today's edition has Theresa May on the front cover, <coughs> excuse me, with Santa Claus, um, and uh, it's there if people want to buy it. <laughs> but yes, it sets the tone. Yeah, you it know, does. It um, introduces you, and it makes you want to buy, and what makes you want to get in there and get more from it. Poor Theresa, I think she's on every cover in the world at the moment. Anyway... When you look back on the year gone by, a bumper year again, or is every year a bumper year for satire, pillorying and laughing at all and sundry? You're right. Every year is, is there for us to, to poke fun at the establishment and, and to uncover things. I mean, we're, we like to think we're humorous and don't take ourselves too seriously. But uh, we also think we also unearth stories that you won't read elsewhere. Uh, and this year was no exception. Now, when you talk uh, about the magazine, there are so many aspects to it, and people may not know, you know what I mean? It's terrific when it comes to the finance end of things as well. There's a great section in there, and you give wonderful advice. There are serious aspects to it as well, but I've picked out a couple of things. The crack and cardology section. Now, that's been a staple for many's a day, hasn't it? 
Ah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's an essential part of the magazine. It's in the middle of the magazine, you know, four, five, six pages, depending on the edition. Uh, and and it's yes, it, it's straight satire. It, it there's no pretense at, at telling stories or investigations in that particular section. And yeah, people like it. And and there's a, we like to think there's a fairly high standard of humour in us, you know. Yeah, and fake news quiz it is for 2018. I'll just read them the first one. It's brilliant. Who didn't quite control their anger management this year? Martin O'Neill lashing out at Tony O'Donoghue. <laughs> Tony was the ultimate winner there. Martin's gone. Serena Williams hitting out at the umpire. Oh my God, she was just upset. Said I'd been beaten, wasn't she? And Conor McGregor hitting everyone inside. I don't know which I'd go for there, Paddy. Oh, well, I, I don't know why Roy Keane isn't in there, but anyway, we had him in the first few pages. So. <laughs> I see that as well. You have indeed. You know, when you talk about uh, the other big issues in the country this year, besides people, homelessness and health continue to dominate. There are issues you don't shy away from either. Uh, no, we don't. Uh this, the particular edition you're talking about, the annual, has uh, three or 4,000 words on Owen Murphy. Mm. God love him. Um, I wouldn't blame him personally, but he does represent Fine Gael policy on housing and emphasis on private developers, perhaps too much. Uh, but that's a very good read in there about Owen Murphy mm. and Fine Gael's housing policy. Uh, and yes, we've focused on Clyburn Harris. We've... That's that's meat and drink for us, yeah. Mm, and it is part and parcel of it all of the time. Uh, let's look at some of the other big things. Sport, you, you, we mentioned Keane and O'Neill and that uh, there, but what a year it's been for the ladies in hockey, for the rugby union people, Limerick winning the hurling for the first time in many's <laughs> a day, Dublin unbeatable now in football, and all in there through the year. Yeah, there's, there's, um, the sporting section has a really good verse, poem which mm. goes on and on and on about all the different aspects of sport um, uh, and yeah it's all there uh, special section on sport Where do you uh, fish for your stories for what you do? Are there many you're the editor I want to tell people this you're virtually there since it started in 83 was it the year after you came in? I came in in 84 yeah late 84 And you've been editor since? Yes, but John Mulcahy, who sadly passed away this year, uh, was the managing editor mm. and effectively the overall editor. Uh, we're very collegious, if that's the word, collegial in the magazine. There's myself, I'm not title as editor, Paul Farrell is deputy editor, but he looks after a lot of the finance uh, and, and other arts and, and, and business. Uh, I do politics, media, law, but we cross over now and again. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, Paul's been there since 1991. Um, uh, yes, I've been there a long, long time. Uh, and, and I'm grateful because I have more freedom. Mm. If I was a super top political correspondent with, I don't know, RTE, Irish Times, not RTE maybe, given last week. <laughs> um, <laughs> you didn't apply, no, no. No. Uh, I wouldn't have the f- same freedom yeah. to, to write. Now, uh, the only justification I need to write a story is that it has to be a real story. Mm. You can't indulge yourself by whacking people you don't like just because you don't like them, you have to find a story. But I can write about the law, I can write about the media, politics, uh, and a variety of issues, if I have a story. And that freedom isn't open to most journalists. What do you mean by that? Are you confirming what has been said and written about and talked about, that the media in this country is controlled and can only say a certain amount because of the paymasters? Well, there is a consensus, an establishment consensus across most of the media. Uh, there's what you might call 
responsible journalism, which tends to not, you know, it tends to shy away. Uh, it tends to produce what the government says today. Um, whereas we have a look at a script and we say, well, now, hold on, why is he saying that? He's saying that because somebody else said something else and this manoeuvre is taking place. And in a way, it's an indulgence because we don't have to report mm. for the record the news every day. We only have to have a look at what's reported and then try and get behind it. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't <coughs> excuse me, happen in the rest of the media, but less so. Mm. Uh, there is a consensus. There is a conservatism. And there's definitely a pro-establishment uh, current and culture running through the media. So you have Which a only freedom natural. that uh, mainstream doesn't have. But then on the other hand, what about the whole area of libel and what you write? Because yeah. we are, litigation is on the minds of people, especially you talk about the establishment, people who have wealth, have power, and they don't like, you know what I mean, being shone in a negative light or anything being written about them that portrays them negatively. Is that a big area for you? Well... As I sometimes say to people, it is, of course, a big area for us, and we have to be very, very careful, because almost, if not absolutely every story we write, is contentious and pointed and critical. But as I often say to journalists who work, you know, down in Kerry or Clare Champion or yourselves, mm. you can be writing a story about a local golf club or a local bank manager, and suddenly, without realising it, you've got a libel on your hands. Mm. The libel laws in this country are off the scale. The awards are off the scale. Uh, there's a sort of juries play God very often. Uh, and, you know, there's a, a negative attitude to the media for all kinds of reasons. And so it can happen to anybody, and it certainly has happened to us, and we have to be very, very careful. Um, that ridiculous case that's gone on for the last few weeks now, I better be careful what I say, yeah. <coughs> which resulted in a hung jury. Mm. I mean, that's, you know... I, I won't give a value comment on it. Please don't, because we could um, be in... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't land you in the libel. boat here on late lunch on <laughs> FMFM today. But we know what you're talking but about. But you know what I mean. we know the way it's finished. Uh, Absolutely. Well, and, but you see the way we can't. €600,000 costs, mm. and it's just the first round, maybe? Yes. Yeah, it's... It, there's, it, only, look, there's only... The real winners in libel are the lawyers. Mm. And sometimes litigants, powerful litigants. Does that mean that it's difficult... I, t I take it you have an insurer... <laughs> is, or is that a difficult Imagine process? what the premiums are like for I, Phoenix I am just thinking, oh my word, it must mm. be something else, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no comments. <laughs> <laughs> Not I see the way the rest of this interview is going where it's like shadow boxing here at this stage. But look, you mentioned the, the Mr Mulcahy who passed away and yourself and the yeah. other guy. Are there many other in the core of this or do you pull in then from, you know, freelancers or what? How does it come together? There is a three staff journalist core. We do have outside contributors. Some of them are household names um, mm. who couldn't possibly ever be mentioned mm. as contributors because uh, it would cause them serious problems at work. Uh, and some of them are just guys who like hard news and who like to give us information, sometimes about their own media, sometimes about issues, current affairs issues. So it's a mix em, gather em of gather of staff journalism. I'd say two-thirds of it is written in-house. Mm. Uh, 
I wouldn't be sure about that stat, but the majority certainly is. But yeah, we do have some outside contributors, and, and people will be very, very surprised if they knew who they were. Interesting, interesting. No, keep them to yourself as well. So that's the intrigue of it. I'm talking to the man who's uh, been with the Phoenix magazine virtually from it began back in 1983. It's uh, the editor of uh, the magazine. He's with me here on Late Lunch today, uh, Paddy Prendeville. Uh, the annual is out, the Phoenix annual for 2018, and the latest edition is on the newsstands as well. I'm heading to a short break. More chat with Paddy in a couple of moments. Paddy Prendeville is with me. He's the editor of the wonderful Phoenix magazine, the 2018 annual out now, unmissable. Just before we go on to some of the big stories of the year, your circulation has held very strongly for you. And in a world where, you know, the paper thing is in trouble. Well, we've been hit like everybody else. Our mm. sales have declined. I know no, that. No but question about that. But what we're trying to do now, and we've begun to do it really only seriously this year is um, get a lot of online subscriptions and they're going up Uh, so there's this kind of sigh of relief that that is happening yeah office (laughs) about that um, because we're getting the if you like the best of both worlds Mm. Um, you know we get advertising for the print and our subs are going up our subscriptions are are, are going up I'm delighted to hear that it's really heartening but I'll tell you you still have a big number of people and I'm one of those I like to touchy-feely have and have it in my bag and take it out and read it and long may that continue with lots and lots of people as well we need it Paddy some of the stories just a few from, from last year um, Shane Ross, why he's Fine Gael's real number one enemy, are you telling me? Well, if somebody told me two or three years ago that the Phoenix would end up defending this stockbroker and Sunday Independence um, moneybags columnist type of guy, I'd have laughed. But there's a very strange thing happened, we noticed in the last year or two, certainly in the last 12 months or more, that there was a what I would call a Fine Gael-driven media campaign against Shane Ross. And, you know, Fine Gael have 50 seats, less than a third of the dull seats. But there's still this born-to-rule attitude. I mean, seven years in power has had a certain effect on them. You can imagine if they had a majority. Now, what they seem to find themselves, the situation they find themselves in, they have Catherine Zappone and Dennis Noxon in Cabinet as independents, and fairly supine they are too, which I think is a comment I can make. Fianna Fáil is the most, as you can see from the news today, the most insipid opposition, if you can even call them an opposition anymore. Sinn Féin are regarded as the enemy by everybody, uh, so that they don't get the same impacts there. But Shane Ross appears to be a thorn in the side of the Cabinet who just become incandescent with anger every time he says, hold on a sec, this is in the programme for government and I want it moved. I think what Shane Ross has learnt, uh, and most smaller parties and individuals in government learn this, if you lose your identity in government, you're dead politically come the next election. And Shane Ross is determined that that won't happen. He may or may not be successful in that. So his big thing is anti-cronyism. That's why this ongoing row, it's taken two years and they still haven't passed this judicial appointments bill. And in a way that benefits Ross, accidentally, because it hasn't yet got through. I think it will get through, certainly not before Christmas, but it will get through. And uh, all the rows about it and Shane Ross standing up saying, I demand that cronyism stop over judges or whatever else, I think will benefit him. And... uh, but that's what's happened. Uh, this this 
anger against Shane Ross, which I can see. I, you can see when you read a story very often, well, that's coming from this source. You might know the individual's name, but you can tell K. Bono, you know, who benefits from that particular story. And it's as obvious to me that Fine Gael are, have been campaigning against Ross for a long, long time. It's interesting you say seven years in government. Fianna Fáil suffered from that, you know, that... Uh, Hubris. ...regality that they were never going to be shifted and suddenly... So watch this space. Another one, what about the Taoiseach? You mentioned Fine Gael. Should he have gone when the fingers looked right? Is he indecisive? Well, you know, the, the, the image is out of the forensic, decisive guy clipped statements, knows exactly what he wants to do and, and where he's going. But he's like Hamlet over this election. I mean, dithering uh, and, and will I, won't I. I mean, the polls in 2018 must be the best polls the Fine Gael party has ever enjoyed. I mean, just incredible polls. And it's gone on and on throughout the year. That won't last forever. Um, and there are people in the Fine Gael cabinet who reckoned that they should have gone, maybe in the autumn... But Leo seems sort of Vlad, as we call him. I think I won't. You won't get sued if I call him Vlad the Impaler, uh, unlike that other thing we just uh, didn't talk about. Um, he he seems to be very fearful. He seems to be afraid of the Theresa May precedent because she got blamed for calling a precipitous yes. election. I think that's a bad comparison. Actually, I don't think that's why she lost the election. He seems also to be more uh, wary of the 2016 precedent when Fine Gael went in like a lion and came out like a lamb because they misjudged the mood of the electorate. And there are also people inside Fine Gael who say, yeah, we're high in the polls nationally, but if you look, go right through the constituencies, there are, air, there are places in which it won't benefit us uh, and we may be maxed out, so to speak, in certain constituencies. So the bounce doesn't matter. There's all of that. Um, now, he in particular, didn't want to be seen to be calling an election. So I think the reason he proposed this 2020 deal in the first place was to provoke Fianna Fáil into saying, no way, there has to be an election, and so Fianna Fáil will get the blame. Michal Martin boxed very clever from his point of view and avoided that. So they're now for 2020. So that's his second fallback position. He's getting four years for Fine Gael in power instead of five, and four years instead of two. So, but I do think that was his fallback position. I think in the first place he wanted to make Fianna Fáil call an election. So Martin outfoxed him and 2020, it will be. That yeah. is, the, the die is cast now certainly on that one. It won't go beyond that. Just before we finish and quickly, Drew Harris, a, a, a new leader for God the Shia Corner, coming from the PSNI. Well, coming from the PSNI, but also as he was uh, described in the Smithwick Tribunal, uh, which people around here will be quite familiar with, he was introduced as uh, the PSNI's link man with MI5. Mm. Now... There is no slur on his integrity or his professionalism at all that I've ever heard uh, as an individual and as a policeman. But the notion of, let's say, the Germans appointing a, a, a spy master, if that's the word, from France, let's say, is just out of the question. And it was most interesting during the debate and discussion about his appointment, there are about five people... Um, Retired because the current serving guys can't say a word. But there was uh, Michael C. Murphy, Deputy Chief of Intelligence for the Army, retired, who came out and used those arguments, those concerns. There was John Morgan, Lieutenant Colonel, also in intelligence, senior intelligence in the Army. 
There was John O'Brien, a chief superintendent, retired from the special branch, who also was uh, very critical of the appointment for the reasons I've mentioned. Conor Brady, um, editor, former editor many, many years ago of Garda Review and then Irish Times editor. And also the Garda Shikona Members Retired Association. Now, these are all retired people who pointed to this unprecedented notion. You see, spies, MI5, uh, collaborates with, you know, people in other countries, like, like the guards, like the Garda Special Branch, and there is collaboration. But they also spy on each other. Mm. It's what they do. It's what they're supposed to do. But you know, Paddy, as well, you have to say, it needed change. And he's a man coming in from the outside where there has been huge change in another force. And he's come in and government have confidence in him. You know, you have to say that as well. Well, the government seems definitely to have confidence Mm, in him. They have indeed. Anyway, we have to leave it there for today. Paddy Prendeville, I want to mention it again. Phoenix Annual 2018. Buy it. Get a copy of it. Read it. You can get it online as well. And don't forget, the latest copy is on the shelves as well today. You're brilliant. Thank you, Jerry. We'll never never write a bad story about you. Ah, thanks a million, Paddy. You've made my year. Thanks for joining me on the show. Take Pleasure. care. Pleasure. Pleasure. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. I remember speaking to my last guest back in 2016 when he told me his story about a GoPro camera he had and he'd done terrific work up round Dundalk. Well, there's been a lot of water under the bridge since that time because the beginning of 2016 and we'll hear what happened to Mark Duffy from then because on my desk I have this most beautiful, beautiful book called Loud Rediscovered, A Photographer's Guide to the Wee County and it is by Mr Mark Duffy who's with me on Late Lunch today. Good to see you in studio. How's it going, Jerry? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. Nice to put a face on the voice. Well, look, I remember us talking. The GoPro sticks in my mind uh, around that time and, and just remind us again what we were talking about. You'd taken these wonderful images of Dundalk yeah. yeah so to showcase Dundalk I had done um, a six month project on, on my own just off my own bat I did a time lapse video so you're encompassing a lot of photos and you're speeding up footage and you, you know anyone who's seen a, a time lapse if they've watched the House mm. of Cards you'd have seen it where the clouds are flying past it looks unnatural but it's just it's a it's a long it's a it's a long capture of, of um, video yeah. so I had taken um, I'd taken 40,000 photos over six months and I used 30,000 in the video. Now, when we talked at the time, the video had reached about nearly 40,000 views. It's on It's on nearly 90,000 now on YouTube. Brilliant. And from then, then, I actually got I got a, a lot of photographers saying, why are you wasting your time on a GoPro? You need to get yourself on a decent camera. You need to get yourself on a DSLR. You'll love it. Your, your background in graphic design. Uh, you, will, you will absolutely love this. And they were totally right. I got completely hooked and addicted Within within about a month, I had bought a camera and I've been on it since. So you are really a newcomer to this because before this you hadn't got a camera. No, no, I would have bought like cameras when I was younger, yeah. and you know it would have been mm. the same as a kid and I hadn't got a clue what you'd be doing with it. But yeah, no, it'll be I'll be officially a photographer. Well, I officially would have owned a camera. Put it that way. Three years coming this January. Oh, that's terrific! It really is a great story. So up you picked it and away you went. You specialise in landscape, yes? Yeah, yeah, that's that's. Where I really 
that's where I really uh, fell in love with it. I've tried portraits and I just I just don't have the f- the same love for it. Uh, you, you I, I always say this kind of joke like, but if you send me to a field where there's a nice rock and a really nice sunset, I'm in my element. If you put me in front of a crowd of people, I'm absolutely lost. I don't know what they want. I, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what to do. But if you give me a nice building, a nice a nice rock or a tree, I know exactly how to get the best out of that. And that's really where I I, I shine. And it's I take pleasure in it. You know I. I plan my photos sometimes mm. months in advance for that right epic time and I'll wait and I'll wait I might go there four or five times and fail every time but as long as I get that one at the end it's worth every visit So you're talking there about light about the different seasons the yeah. growth of things how they appear all the weather everything like yeah, that Yeah exactly yeah 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 incorporating those. Now this book, it really is all-encompassing of the wee county, County Loud, because when you when you open it, you see you cover Dundalk, the Cooley Peninsula, Drogheda and the Mid-Loud towns and villages, RD, Anagas and Barmead, Clarehead, etc. So you have a good widespread of the county here. Did you run into any issues with, you know, taking pictures for this or getting permissions or being able to do what you did? In some cases, yeah, I reached out for um, some locations to get permission to feature it in the book uh, there are a number of um, just to let anyone know about the book the book is the most concise collection of heritage photos of uh, of around Loud because not, not a lot of people know this in my eyes not enough people know this but yeah. we are the smallest county in the country yeah. but we have the highest number of heritage sites per capita outside of Dublin yes there's a lot of other places around the country they get a lot more limelight or uh, attention and I just felt the book was my way of actually maybe bringing some of this attention. So with that, I didn't want to just focus on ruined c- churches and castles and, you know, uh, like Monastery Boys or places, I guess. I wanted to actually go to living castles like Bellingham Castle, like uh, yes. Bally House, and as well as that, an actual someone's private home, which is uh, Barmead Castle. It's, it's, it's a stunning place, mm. 400 years in that family. And that was one of the places, there were the three places I actually got permission for. I did ask for, for, for a couple of other places, and then there was a few other places where I actually, I, I never found out who I would need to contact yes. to get permission. But I really wanted to make sure that I had all my, um, my, my I's dotted, my T's crossed to make sure that the book would encompass them and th- that they would be willing for, some people might, might not want that. Yes. It depends if, if someone's bought that land and it's now private and they don't want it shared like that. You have to respect the privacy as well. So okay. I wanted to show as much of the county as possible, but I totally, I wanted it to be totally above above bar I understand I understand um how long did it take you? Did you take a period of time in 2018 to do it? <laughs> or are you at this for a... Oh, you're not going to believe this at all. So I mm. got the idea in July to do the book. Of uh, this year? Yeah. Um, so I, I recently, uh, just, just about eight months ago, I started working with um, a flooring company called uh, White River Group in Dunlear. And we were doing brochures and I got inspired from the brochures that we were doing. I think like, they feel a lot like... Uh, photography portfolios and I was like I could do a book I should do a book and then I had the idea I could do it all about loud because I had had the idea kind of in the back mm. of my mind but always kind of pushed it away and then it really spawned me to actually attempt it so I started having the idea in July if I get an idea it used if it's a good idea it usually consumes me that's exactly what happened within four weeks I had my publisher actually completely organised and I was signing contracts and between the end of July and the end of September, I 
I, I worked every day, every morning, every evening, going out to different places. I, and also, I like you know, I have a forty-hour work working period. You know, this is a working wonderful. man as well. This yeah, is yeah. his hobby. <laughs> this is this is just my hobby, yeah. And uh, so I was out every morning, out every evening, uh, getting to all these different places, trying to plan them as best. And I, the, the hardest part was trying to plan multiple places. Mm. To, you know, maybe to go to the Oberlast Bridge and then go over and photograph the Mary McAleese Bridge all in the same evening, so I get hit two at the same time, go on the next day and go somewhere else so I think there's about 30 to 40 place locations not even photos locations that were photographed between the end of July and the end of September and then the rest I had in my collection over the okay. last two and a half years I love your logistics and, and it takes logistical planning to get all this done yeah. but virtually in two months I'm holding open a page here and you may wonder why I'm holding open <laughs> this page because you see those rocks there yeah. at the Red Man's Cave in Clotterhead I've wheeled in many a mackerel off those rocks in my day I know exactly where you've taken that picture yeah. there it's fantastic so it is just one that's I, I indulge there that's my own personal one have you a favourite you know if I went through it th- th- look at It'd be impossible, but do you have something that in here that really you'd say, mm. Yeah, I do, actually, yeah. Page, do you? Page 21. Okay, here we go. Let me see. I'm delighted. This is great, isn't it? I, yeah. I'm so curious because I've been looking through this. Now, what does page 21 say? And I flick it over. Oh, my word. Yeah, I figured you'd say that. <laughs> there is a picture with so many things going on in it all at once. It's the Blackrock Millennium Sundial. It's magnificent, isn't it? And look at this on the other side, like setting it off here. What time of day or night? Well, I'm looking at this. Was that dawn? That's two photos put together. Oh. So the idea, I got the idea. That took, um, the reason why I like it so much is, uh, some people might say it's not a photograph, and they could be right as well. It's it's known as a composite, so it's multiple photos put together. Mm. Um, for this, this is a concept piece. Um, it took 18 months to complete uh, because I needed the sun and the moon to line up. So anyone who hasn't seen this photo before, it's the sundial in Black Rock, and I wanted to show the sundial at its at its best. And the sundial sees both the sunrise and the moonrise yes. on any given given day right so the first photo was actually taken at midnight for the moon for a full moonrise yeah and then the second photo was actually the, the sunrise seven hours later at seven in the morning uh, the hardest part was i couldn't stay there so i had to take the tripod down mark the ground where i had the tripod come back the next day and that's where i kept running into issues it's brilliant so you know the sun and the moon only line up like that twice in the year may and uh, the first week of may and the first week of august just from the movements throughout yeah. the year and yeah it, it took me three attempts over 18 months and i've actually um because i like that photo so much i've actually offered it with the book as a limited print run of only 100 there's actually already 40 been sold with it uh, i actually have it in i have it in the bag here which uh, for you as well and it's it's it comes in its own full packaging yes. with the book and it's sealed and i even went and got a wax sealer with my family crest on it just to kind of push that you know that, that duffy brand kind of thing if you want to think it i just thought it'd be nice and quaint something different no one's really doing that yeah but I'm, yes the sundial photo is my favorite photo i'm just looking at the draw ones lawrence gate mill mount as well as you meant the obelisk bridge out to the mary mcaleese and you have so much there but let's come into Midloud as well because yeah. you have a lot of beautiful ones there haven't you as well oh, yeah. uh, in Midloud um, what about that there I, I love that one oh that's uh, yeah that's now just, just questions as to where that is because there's a couple of names I would know it as Jenkins and Forestry some other people would call it Analog and Loop or Analog and Forestry or Rock Marshall Forestry if you yeah. use any of them names you'll get to the exact same place the tree is magnificent isn't the, it? the tree just introduces you to the landscape and the light as well let me pick something else out here that I, that I really like there's a lot of ones of the sea as well uh, oh look at that one 
Isn't that fantastic there? Again, Black Rock. Where yeah. did you shoot that from? You're shooting across at the houses there over the sand, over with the tide gone out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of the beach there. Are you? Yeah, I'm in the, in the middle of the beach facing back over for sunset. Oh, it's it's magnificent, so it is. Let me get into the mid-loud ones. What about Glide Court? There's there's an old ruins there. Look at that. Oh, that is spectacular. Isn't it? That's, that is... Like, like, if you see that Glide Court and in the next page is Loud Hall, they're within a mile of each other. Yeah, look here. And you can see them from each other as well. And... I'd heard of Loud Hall and I knew kind of where it was but for Glide Court I never knew how many times I drove past that I never even knew it was in behind them gates mm. it's hidden in behind trees and I always say I'm always on, I'm always on the search for hidden gems and Glide Court is just out of this world it's huge it's absolutely massive and just when you're walking down it trying to imagine what it was like when it was in full flourishing you know full working house like that that would have been some view to see. You must be so proud of what's come together here and the yeah. finished work and the publishers as well. They've done a marvellous job for you. It's a hardback book as well. Tell them about the numbers wise. How many did you print initially? So initially I had a I had a two hundred print run and I sold out of all of them within the first week. And I have another. I I just received another three hundred this week. Uh, they're in the shops and all. And uh, yeah, the, the shops all sold out. Everyone, everyone sold out. So where can people get the book? Loud rediscovered by Mark Duffy. Where is it available? You have a website, haven't I you? I do. Yeah, markduffyphotography.com. dot com. You can you can find it there. Or you can get it on Amazon as well. Or you can find it in uh, there's a couple of shops. Row River Books on Park Street and Dock. Uh, Crafty Rock in Black Rock. Um, the Carningford Tourist Office. O'Brien's business supplies in RD and I'm currently in talks with Waterstone so fingers crossed here in Drogheda yeah so fingers crossed I can get in there because I would like to have it at least in all four corners of the county because this it's a full inclusive book I'm not excluding anyone this is totally this gets rid of all the you know the Dundalk FC and the Drogheda FC rivalries get rid of that we're not looking at that we're looking at this is our county we're as proud as punch we should stand proud we have so much to offer no one sees it. Like, there's so many places like Roach Castle and stuff that mm. is, you could totally use it for a Game of Thrones. Is that the type. Pro League Dolman there? That's the Pro the League Dolman. Oh, it's beautiful as That's well. On, mm. that, and, and on the, the Ballymac, thing, you'll see it on the Ballymac golf course. Hole five. Yeah. Hole five. Like, where would, you, where would you go where you go into a golf course and you Absolutely. have megalithic stones? That, like, supposedly they weigh 40 tonnes and yeah. they'll balance on each other. How they ever got them there? Well, look, I'll tell you what I want to do. Mark has brought us a couple of books on the sign and all. I have my book club tomorrow. Oh, Can I include your two books in my book club in the gift packs that I'm going to give away tomorrow? Absolutely. Is that okay? And absolutely. we'll give it another good mention delighted. for you then and I'll include it in that tomorrow. Is that all right yeah, with I, you? Yeah, I would absolutely be yeah, delighted. Yeah, because we're up that. against the wall here just at the end of the show and I want to do that justice tomorrow. But folks, if you want something lovely for Christmas, if you're from the Wheat County, if there's somebody abroad that you'd like to send them something special, Loud Rediscovered by Mark Duffy. Well, I'll tell you what, boy. We've discovered some talent in you, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, my God, from that first conversation, look where you are today. Congratulations. Thanks. You really Thanks. have an eye and a real flair for this. And this is the first. I'm sure there's many, many more to come. Well done. Loudly discovered Mark Duffy. Thank you for dropping in and no having chat with us on Late Lunch today. I really do appreciate it. That's almost a lot on the show today, folks. Thank you for joining us. Really appreciate your company. And we are going to leave you for the last couple of minutes. Again, coming back to Dermot Finglas and... Uh, 
uh, his uh, his uh, his time uh, with us here on LMFM Radio. And I'll give you the competition winners. I know you've revealed the entries here. We'll tell you who's won those tomorrow on the show. But I want to leave you with just another tiny little flavour of Dermot, who passed away last evening. And here, uh, we're going to hear from a CD. Yes, Dermot Finglas and the Jim Reeves Collection. We remember Dermot fondly. I know that I won't forget you For I've loved you too much for too long Though you don't want me now I'll still love you Till the breath in my body is gone That's how it is with me And you'll always be The only love I ever knew I'll forget many things in my lifetime But my darling, I won't forget you Snowflakes are falling Here in my dreams I can see The white cherry blossoms of Shana Where I walked with Anna Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Order your Renault 191 today and avail of low APR finance, cashback, and three year servicing. Visit Blackstone Motors today or see blackstonemotors.ie. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 